0: What brings you the feeling of enjoyment or helps put you at ease some experience pleasant brain tingles when listening to soft sounds or a person talking quietly relax relax Now, over the last decade, people around the globe have picked up on this physiological phenomenon called ASMR, or Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. ASM artists have posted millions of videos on YouTube and TikTok raising awareness about brain tingles while building a community of ASMR enthusiasts or quote, tingleheads. Studies suggest these videos activate brain regions previously observed to be activated during experiences like social bonding and may involve dopamine and oxytocin and other neurochemicals. Today, where we live, we learn about the science behind ASMR. Coming up, we talk to an ASMR artist based in Connecticut and later, a reporter at Insider covering social media joins us to talk about the business side of TikTok. With a billion users, there's money to be made based on the number of followers a user has. That conversation later. First, joining us on Zoom is Dr. Craig Richard, a physiologist, ASMR researcher, and professor of biopharmaceutical sciences at Shenandoah University. Dr. Richard, welcome to our show. Thank you, Lucy. Uh, You're also the coordinator of the largest ASMR survey, still ongoing, and I believe 30,000 participants strong. And Dr. Richard also started the online research archive, ASMR University, and is author of Brain Tingles, all about ASMR best practices. Now, listeners, if you have a question about ASMR, or maybe you are an ASMR artist, or these videos help you on YouTube or TikTok, you can join us too, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, So Dr. Richard, we wanted to learn more about ASMR and and what triggers this response in some individuals. Can you explain? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, the common triggers are gentle voices, gentle sounds. It can also be light touch. It can occur in person. And what the other person feels is this deep feeling of relaxation with these light and pleasurable brain tingles, which are different from chills. Mm. And the context with the in which this usually happens is it's a positive personal interaction. So in the real world, this could occur between a child and a parent, between best friends, between a clinician and a patient. And in ASMR videos, What they're doing is they're simulating these real world events of someone giving someone else positive personal attention. So they're usually looking directly into the camera, speaking gently and acting in a very caring way
0: how did you get involved in researching ASMR? Again, this stands for autonomous sensory meridian response because you describe how you feel for when you're certain hearing certain things or or even seeing yeah. certain stimuli.
1: Yeah, I first heard about ASMR in 2013 on a podcast episode and I was pretty skeptical at first because I'm a physiologist <laughs> and I'd never heard this term autonomous sensory meridian response. So I was about to delete the episode because I didn't want to waste my time on it until they gave the example of Bob Ross. Mm. And then I just remember being a kid and just watching Bob Ross paint on his TV show, The Joy of Painting. And it sent me into this deep state of relaxation with brain tingles. And the more they talked about it, the more I realized I experienced this. And so as a scientist, I got really curious and in 2013, there was not any peer-reviewed published studies about ASMR, so that is when I kind of changed my research interest and started heading down uh, the road of ASMR.
0: Now, is this you mentioned brain tingle? So, can you describe that a, a little bit more for people who may not have ever experienced this? And is this something that anybody uh, can experience, Dr. Richard?
1: Yeah. I'll first describe what it's not for some people, because most people know what chills are Mm -hmm. and goosebumps. So it's not chills and it's not goosebumps. That's something very much on the surface. You can see the bumps. You can see your hair kind of raise up on your arms. These tinkles are described as light, staticky, sparkly, and they're a little more internal. So some people may say their scalp, or they'll say their brain, or they'll say their head and they may travel down their spine. And what was the second part of your question?
0: I'm just wondering if anybody can experience this, or is this something, uh, when we think about even how some people might like cilantro and others don't, uh, similar to that.
1: Right, it does not appear that everyone can experience it. There may be people who don't think they can, but they can. But from what we're seeing so far, if you took 100 people and ran them through every ASMR stimulation test, there's going to be a certain percent that probably can't experience it. The best study right now that's done a random population sampling shows that about 14% of the population can feel tingles related to listening to ASMR sounds or watching the ASMR video. And also about 24% feel deeply relaxed. Mm. So that means some people might have a subtler form of ASMR without the strong brain tingles, but still feel relaxed to ASMR triggers.
0: Are you surprised by those numbers?
1: Uh, no, it, it kind of fell into the ballpark that I predicted. So I was rather excited by it because um, that data just came out last year. And I've been looking into this since 2014. And my guess was about 20%. And I based that on that ASMR is so popular that it has to be a significant percent of the population. So, you know, you know, more than 1%. But I know a lot of people that don't experience it and they don't like ASMR triggers. So, it's not going to be 100%. It's probably not going to be more than 50%. So, I just guessed around 20%. Hmm.
0: We're learning about ASMR today here on the show with my guest, Dr. Craig Richard, a physiologist and ASMR researcher. He's professor of biopharmaceutical sciences at Shenandoah University and right now co- coordinator of the largest ASMR survey, uh, also starting the online research archive ASMR University. Is this something that you also watch or know a lot about? We, you can join us too, 888 720 9677, or find us. On Facebook and Twitter at where we live. And so, can you describe more about what's happening in the brain chemically? What do researchers know?
1: Yeah, you know, we did, a, we published a brain scan study in 2018. And we had participants who experienced strong ASMR lie in a brain scan machine and watch their favorite ASMR videos. And then we asked them to press a certain button whenever they felt that ASMR brain tingle. So that allowed us to compare their brain scans during those moments of ASMR compared to moments when they weren't experiencing ASMR. Mm. And sure enough, specific areas of the brain did light up. And these, re- these regions of the brain were similar to regions of the brain that also light up when someone is receiving positive personal attention in the real world, like say from a parent, say from a romantic partner, say from a, a best friend. So overall, the brain does seem to be interpreting ASMR videos as if there's a real person right in front of you who you do know, rather than a stranger in a video.
0: And so when we talk about um, that social bonding and how you feel when uh, you have that connection with someone that activates a a part of the brain, when we think again about um, how hearing certain uh, audio or even the sensation of someone maybe brushing your hair if you're getting a massage there's like a, a crosstalk that's happening uh within the brain Dr. Richard and, and how does that impact uh, the body
1: We uh someone else did a study Julie Huero in the United Kingdom and what she looked at in her study was heart rate And what she saw is that when people are watching ASMR videos and their brain is processing that moment, that there is a significant reduction in heart rate. So she's done one of the few further physiological studies, but there's still a lot of unknowns. It's not known what blood pressure is doing. It's not known what stress hormone levels are doing. So there's still a lot of research to be done to figure out what exactly is going on in the body. But you would predict a drop in blood pressure. You would predict a decrease in breathing rate also, and also a drop in stress hormones. But no one's measured those yet.
0: We've been talking about how some individuals have a positive response uh, when uh, they hear these certain triggers. But we're also hearing uh, from a listener uh, who has a negative response to ASMR uh, in particular, or an intolerance to certain sounds. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah. So in that random population sampling study, which had over 12,000 participants, we did see about 20% had a positive reaction, meaning they felt relaxed and they might've felt brain tingles also. But another 20% at the other end of the spectrum had a strong negative response, which is they felt irritated or annoyed by those ASMR videos and those sounds. And that's called misophonia. So the curiosity here is that the same triggers whispering, tapping, mouth sounds can trigger this strong delightful relaxation in some people that we call ASMR. But those same triggers can also trigger this strong negative response of annoyance and anger and irritation and that's called misophonia.
0: Mm. That's interesting. Well, you're talking about how these videos have just taken off online, uh, first on YouTube and now on, on TikTok. And so you see these videos taking different forms, again, voices, uh, maybe some individuals role playing or using different objects. But uh, when you're doing your research, uh, there's been a lot of, of conversation about how this can help people, that feeling of trust or of safe space. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, we've surveyed over 30,000 people. We've analyzed the data from 23,000 so far. Of that group of 23,000, we see within our data set, we have 20,000 that have experienced ASMR. And so we ask them, you know, why are you engaging in ASMR? How does it help you? And for those that often feel stressed, 91% say that it helps them feel less stressed. Now, if they have a more significant form of stress, like anxiety, clinical anxiety, they've been diagnosed with anxiety, then about half of them say that watching ASMR videos does help them with their clinical anxiety. Mm -hmm. For those that have trouble sleeping, 84% say that ASMR helps them to fall asleep. If they have the more significant condition of insomnia, then again, it's about half say that they are helped by ASMR. And then the third place we see it helpful is for people who often feel sad. And about half of the people say ASMR helps them to feel less sad. And for those that have the clinical diagnosis of depression, about 30% say it helps them feel less depressed
0: so there's value in the continued research on ASMR and the, the use uh, in certain therapies or stress management something that might be more pronounced for many of us after this pandemic, Dr. Richard
1: Yes, <laughs> quite agreed.
0: I wanted to play more of these uh, these uh, sounds uh, that, as you mentioned, Dr. Richard, uh, these ASMR videos might help people relax and for people who are dealing with insomnia here's a little bit more. <laughs> So let's talk about that, because when you, uh, for people who may not have seen these videos, but they're just hearing the audio, it might sound a little weird. And so I'm wondering if you can talk about that initial reaction, but then how it's just exploded online, Dr. Richard.
1: It is. I am 100% confident calling it bizarre and blissful, (laughs) (laughs) because when you first engage with it, when you first see it, you're like, wait a minute, I don't get this video. They're just folding a towel. They're just whispering in a microphone. They're just tapping on a mug. This is bizarre. But then what happens with a lot of people when they first start watching these ASMR videos, they can't turn it off. (laughs) They just become hyper-engaged and then they feel this deep wave of relaxation and they may feel the sparkly brain tingles. And then what they realize is this is something that can help them de-stress at the end of the day. This is something that can help them fall asleep more easily. And when you read through the comments on these videos, it's clear why most people are watching these videos. They're watching them because they need help decreasing their stress and they need help falling asleep. And that's exactly what our study shows also.
0: Earlier, I had asked you about the type of individuals that may respond to this or even feel those brain tingles that you described. There was a recent study that observed people who actually enjoy ASMR are more likely to have, quote, heightened sensory sensitivity. So does that surprise you at all? Or have you also observed this in your research?
1: Yeah, we do see for personality traits that are related to hypersensitivity, we do also see that those personality traits are more likely to experience ASMR. And it does make sense because I do view it as a hypersensitivity to those sounds. Now, it's a positive hypersensitivity. So some people will hear those sounds and they might just feel neutral or they might feel relaxed but some people have a much more sensitive reaction a hypersensitivity reaction in a positive way and they get the brain tingles and it really helps them to de stress mm-hmm. but people who are misophonic also are hypersensitive mm-hmm. but they have a negative hypersensitivity re- sensitivity reaction
0: Coming up, we're going to be talking with a Connecticut woman who is an ASMR artist, uh, somebody who gets a benefit from watching and listening ASMR videos, and now also shares uh, in this online community. But in the research that you've done so far, Doctor Richard, when we think about um, how you know certain apps in the beginning might have been better situated for like a younger audience. I'm wondering if you can talk more about, again, this uh, expansion in this online community. And is this something that people might be more in tune with as they're younger? Does it fade as you get older? What do researchers know?
1: Yeah, we see that trend also in our data set. We do see that younger individuals of our 20,000 people who experience ASMR in our study, are more likely to describe ASMR in positive terms. They are more likely to experience ASMR than older individuals. And that's also shown in the other study that did random population sampling. So there's two possible reasons for that. And you actually touched upon both of those. One reason is it could be just generational or cultural that younger people are just more comfortable with watching strange stuff on TikTok mm-hmm. you know what might be considered strange stuff on TikTok and strange stuff on YouTube and willing to stay with it a little bit longer to feel that positive effect and older people may be less likely just because they're not as used to and comfortable with technology and the the different stuff coming out today the other possible reason Which also makes sense is the feeling of ASMR, the ability to experience it, may fade as people get older. That fade may occur in childhood, that fade may occur in adolescence, or that fade may occur in elderhood. Mm. So that's not completely known yet, but the data does support that older people are less likely to experience it and report experiencing it. It's just not clear if it's one of those reasons or I'll put the bet on probably a mix of both of those reasons.
0: Right. So when you started uh, researching this, there there weren't any uh, peer reviewed studies about ASMR, right. and so now in 2022, uh, you know, what does the landscape look like, and is the the skepticism, uh, you know, maybe falling back a little uh, from the wider community about ASMR?
1: I'm happy to say. I'm having trouble keeping up with the peer reviewed research these days. That is a great problem. The first peer reviewed research study was published in 2015. And then the second one was 2016. And then the third one was 2017. Like it was just so slow initially. And then it started picking up where several were published each year. And now I'm having trouble just. Following all of them. So, I think what is helpful is the more research that gets done and the more research that gets published does two things. For those people that experience ASMR, it helps them feel validated because probably heard from at least some individuals, whether directly or indirectly, that they're crazy, they're nutty, it's in their head, you know, meaning, which it is, of course. But when people say that, they're saying in a negative, insulting way. And the other thing it's helping is for those people who've been skeptical, who don't experience ASMR, but have been skeptical. But I think that is a very important perception. I think people should be skeptical, skeptical about things until there's more evidence. And we're getting into that realm where there really is a significant body of evidence that's really hard to ignore. So the skepticism is becoming less justified, but there is still a lot of research that needs to be done to really understand things like the therapeutic potential and to really know what's going on in the body.
0: Mm a you know, full disclosure, I can listen to chimes all day, but there's something about listening to someone whisper for too long that doesn't quite relax me. And I might be a little bit more uh, keyed into, you know, this is kind of bizarre. Now you are the host of an all whisper podcast called Sleep Whisper. So tell us about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I thought it'd be interesting to experiment myself. Like, what is it like to create this whisper content? And it's very hard. (laughs) I think people watch these ASMR videos who don't experience ASMR and they can be very negative, like, oh, that just looks dumb or it looks easy and it's not easy. It is really difficult to be able to use the technology to really create those sounds um, and record those sounds. And you need a quiet environment, which is, talk to any ASMR artist and they will tell you, oh, the dogs were barking that day or my, my neighbor was mowing their lawn. So there are a lot of significant challenges. What I really like about doing the Sleep Whispers podcast is the feedback I get from listeners. It's really reinforcing to me as a researcher when I constantly get these emails of, you know, I've really had trouble sleeping until I started listening to sleep whispers. It's really been a game changer for me. And that helps validate that whatever this whisper is doing to individuals who struggle sleeping or struggling with stress is that it really is helpful. And so instead of looking at these numbers and these percents, like a nerdy scientist, hearing direct testimonials from people, really reinforces the positive effects of ASMR for many people, not everyone, but many people.
0: You've been hearing Dr. Craig Richard, a physiologist and researcher, professor of biopharmaceutical sciences at Shenandoah University. He started the online research archive ASMR University and is author of Brain Tingles, All About ASMR Best Practices. We have a link uh, to that ongoing survey that you're coordinating, Dr. Richard, on our website, ctpublic.org slash where we live. Thank you for your time today on the show. Thank you, Lucy. You've been listening to Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. Coming up, as I've mentioned, millions of ASMR videos have been shared on YouTube and TikTok by ASM artists, and we talked to one of them based in Connecticut. You can join us too. Does ASMR help you? 888 720 9677. That's 888 720 WNPR, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live.
1: So ECMO is considered when treatments have failed, and in our center with a special ECMO on-the-go team, we'll actually take that technology to their hospital and help them out there if they need to to stabilize the patient and then bring them back to heart for recovery. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health.
0: This is Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nolpethanchel. Is this show making you feel calmer or at least piquing your interest in ASMR? That stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response or a pleasant brain tingling you may feel when hearing soft sounds or a quiet voice. We just learned about the science behind ASMR and we also wanted to focus on the people who were drawn to this. Millions are part of this online community where ASMR videos are posted on YouTube and TikTok. Joining us now is an ASMR artist, ASMR artist based in Connecticut, Olivia, whose handle is at sweet dreamer Live underscore ASMR. She started as an ASM artist on TikTok earlier this month and right now has about 14,000 followers. Olivia, welcome to our show.
2: Hello. Thank you for having
0: me. And we're only sharing Olivia's first name to protect her identity from TikTok's 1 billion strong daily user base. And so, Olivia, it was interesting to hear from Dr. Richard uh, talking about um, how some people feel with ASMR and some of the benefits. And so I'm wondering how you first started and when you first heard about it.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, So about a year ago, well, I've always suffered from anxiety, depression, and have issues sleeping at night some of the times. So I was just trying to find ways to cope with that. And um, I stumbled across ASMR on my TikTok, because you get random lives as you scroll through your For You page. And I always was curious, like, like you get the initial thoughts like, oh, this is a little awkward, like you mentioned before with Dr. Uh, Richard, and like, it's a little bizarre, but I was very intrigued. And I started to get those tingles that um, were mentioned. um, And I started to feel comforted and, and very, like comfortable. And so when I started listening to it, I started to follow more ASMRists and get more invested in it. And then I started seeing ASMRs that seemed to be like my age and I could relate to them in a sense. And it made me feel like I could be on that side and also enjoy it while also helping others because I always want to help others. That's my calling in life. So this is the perfect way to do that in an interesting, fun way. And so, yeah, ever since I started a month ago, I haven't stopped. Mm. So what
0: are your triggers, so to speak, uh, if you're watching an ASMR video or something that you're sharing with your followers uh, that helps you relax or you think helps your followers, Olivia?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um so a couple things that I like to do that I personally enjoy um that also I've noticed my followers or dreamers I like to call them um enjoy as well are particularly slime. It's uh, very some you know slime it's very gooey a little very soft and if you expand it and put it over the mic it makes ocean sounds um, so that is something that is very uh popular uh as well as cup over mic usually i find like cool cups at the store who have that have like rigid edges and things like that that make cool noises and tapping on anything honestly um is very popular and also personal attention and role play like hairdressing and like brushing hair and doing makeup and and giving good positive feedback to those on live or whoever look at the videos. Mm.
0: I mentioned that your handle is at Sweet Dreamer Live underscore ASMR on TikTok. So you and your followers are, quote, dreamers. So tell us about that term.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I honestly, first off, I found Sweet Dreamer um, online. I was just looking through what cool names could I find online that's catchy and I feel that I could relate to and Sweet Dreamer was something that I could relate to ASMR as well, because, you know, my goal is to get my uh, followers to like sleep, relax, you know. So I thought it was a cute name. And then I just noticed um, by researching and watching other ASMRists um, who really want to connect with their audience, which I really wanted to connect with my audience, they gave them a name. So I just thought, well, Dreamers is the perfect name for this. I have Sweet Dreamer in my handle and it was a cool, catchy name. And I just started saying it in my video. And got more comfortable with it. And over time, it just everyone wants to be a dreamer and it's really exciting. Mm.
0: What's your family's response uh, to you first finding ASMR online and now being one of these million or more ASMR artists, Olivia?
2: Uh, yeah at first I'm not gonna lie both my parents uh, work for the judicial system so that first they're like TikTok. a lot of people that's scary so they were very <laughs> nervous um, um, but after I explained to them really what ASMR was because they didn't even understand what that was at first so they were like well what are you doing and so when I told them about that and they got more invested and started noting noticing I've gotten really good feedback like I have a few um, dreamers have sent me some gifts on um, through my Amazon wish list and things like that. They started to be like, well, you're getting gifts from people and such feedbacks and people are following you like this must be very popular and they want to know more about it. And now they're they're asking me, how do you get a TikTok so I can join? I want to watch your videos just for you. (laughs) for you and watch they're going to be watching a bunch of tiktoks now <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: now you mentioned you got into this to help others but we know that tiktok with that's uh, in many influencers of The and we're going to hear more later about the business side of tiktok you know there's money to be made in this as well but that's not your aim olivia
2: yeah i mean i mean at first of doing this i i really didn't even think about money i mean i knew Uh, creators on tiktok could make money so it was obviously in my mind but i was never my goal my goal is honestly to help people and build a community and support of like friends and other asm artists that i've met around um the globe Uh, and it's been pretty awesome so far but yeah over time i mean once you start joining the creator fund on tiktok and then um monetizing your account and then like i said you can put donations if you would like because asmr does get a pretty expensive but um, those who like to donate have the option to. I mean, it's it's amazing if those who want to donate and support, but honestly, whatever uh, is given is what's given and I'm grateful for whatever I get. So, um, and over time, honestly, if things start to get bigger and I'm offered more opportunities, such like this, that would be great. Um, But honestly, I'm just here to have fun, give ASMR to those who need it and need sleep. And if things and grateful things come with that, that's, that's great. Mm.
0: Now, uh, when I mentioned that you became an ASM artist, this actually happened earlier this month. And when we looked at your first video, it, it looked like you were in, in an office. You were clicking a pen repeatedly, also a mouse on a next to a keyboard and scribbling on a post-it. And so you have a full-time job. And so can you t- talk about you know what it's like to also now be a content creator, <laughs> Olivia, and how that impacts your stress?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um I, actually started just sitting at my desk um, and I work for the state so I do uh, a lot of calls just waiting on a call and I was just like posting and with that I just it I just noticed it was relaxing me as I was taking the videos so with that relaxation and then also just TikTok at night, it just, yeah, it just became into what it was. And it is difficult to balance um, not being able to go to sleep early because, you know, you want to stay up at night and do lives and stuff. So it's been a little bit difficult balancing the nine to five while also um, finding time to content create because you want to be there every day. But, you know, I'm just doing it whenever I feel like can do it and just being my authentic self. And if I'm tired, I'm honest about that. And a lot of people respond well, and they're okay with that. So I just try to take it easy on myself and not force myself to do anything, especially when I'm tired, because when I'm tired, I'll relax and then get back to it as soon as possible.
0: Now, for people who don't use TikTok, you mentioned doing live. So these are the live streams that you're doing, Olivia?
2: Yes. So I, I usually set a time. Um, I'll post it in my bio and post it on a story on TikTok, which is a new thing that they're doing. And I have the dreamers just look at that. And then I go on at the time that I set and then go from there. Mm.
0: Now, earlier when I asked you what drew you to ASMR, I believe you mentioned you know, insomnia and helping you sleep. And and we were hearing Dr. Craig Richard lay out what the studies have shown uh, for people, helping them reduce stress or improve in- concentration and with more research, just the potential uh, use in certain therapies uh, to help people with stress management or those with anxiety and depression. I'm wondering if you can talk about that, Olivia.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I I could relate to everything Dr. Richard was saying. I felt like I was the poster child right there, just everything he was saying. Um, I felt... Um, that ASMR was something that it helped me relax, um, especially like when I've had a tough day and at, at nighttime, like I mentioned, I have anxiety, depression, and sometimes I, I can't sleep at night with that anxiety. So um, when I started investing more time in ASMR, it's definitely helped me go to sleep. I, I do. I listen to it every night, to be honest. <laughs> um, it's very relaxing in it. And I can, and with that, being said and it helping me i'm sure it does help other people and that was why i decided to do it and it's a great experience and i think that everyone should try it and it's not for everyone so if it's not for you that's okay too but it's definitely um something that's helped me over time relax me help my depression as well as anxiety and insomnia mm.
0: And you mentioned uh, when we talk about ASM artists, uh, and it can get expensive. So if people are donating, I'm wondering if you can talk about that, because there's dozens of ASM artists that are live on TikTok every day. How do you set yourself apart?
2: yeah it, it yeah and it's growing every day to be honest I'm finding or uh, seeing a new ASMR artist pop up and it's it's amazing I love how people are getting more invested in it and it was a very small community and now it's just getting bigger and yeah definitely to set yourself apart it's 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 tough because you want to also do things that people enjoy because you know a lot of people start new trends such as like bugs um, bugs is a big like thing where you like play on the mic and you can put clips so I try to do like little little visual differences. So for instance, like everyone has a different home, everyone has a different background. But for me, I try to utilize my projector, put like a very pretty uh, background. I try to light my room in different ways. And I just try to do certain things that people haven't done before, like such as um, not everyone enjoys this, but a lot of the dreamers request me to like crack my knuckles and things like that. Um, And I try to do certain or use certain items that other people do utilize, but also use them in different ways to try to make different noises and just try to find unique things in the store that I don't think people have done yet, like unboxings of like mini brands um, or like doing, I did like a gem search type thing, which had a lot of noise in it, which I recorded and a lot of people responded well to that.
0: Mm. You know, I was curious if listeners um, have been using ASMR uh, to help them. Uh, Kathy tweeted that she actually watches on YouTube the French Whisperer ASMR. It's the only way, Kathy writes, that she can fall asleep. And I wanted to take a quick call from Debbie and Mystic. Debbie, what did you want to share with us? So
3: um, my interesting Way of experiencing ASMR. Me and my husband is we actually like to put on NPR at night <laughs> when we are trying to fall asleep because the uh, soothing voices of the folks doing podcasts or um, shows like you're doing now just help us lull us, uh, you know, it just lulls us to sleep, and we really enjoy it. And that's <laughs> that's one of the ways that uh, uh, it, we feel comfortable and can just doze off. And uh, even in the middle of the night, if we happen to wake up, um, one of us will
0: say, hey, do you mind if if I
3: put on NPR? No, go ahead. (laughs) And we
0: just fall right back to sleep. (laughs) So it's not the content, it's the nice tone that you're saying, Debbie. Oh,
3: absolutely. We're very picky. I'm very picky about the tone. It has to be very soothing if it's a higher pitched voice or more inflection. Um, it, it doesn't work for me. It definitely has to be the soothing the soothing voice. And, and the topic is interesting. And uh, if we happen to fall asleep on a topic that we wanted to hear more of, we'll just listen to it during the day.
0: Right. Or catch it on your podcast feed. <laughs> well, thank you, Debbie, Correct. for calling in. Uh, you know, for years, I... When you have the BBC on late at night too, I think that also has the same the same impact on me. <laughs> but I want to thank uh, Debbie for calling in. and for Olivia, thank you so much for talking with us about uh, your experience as an ASM artist on TikTok. Again, Olivia, also sweet dreamer, live, underscore ASMR. Thank you for your time
2: today. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you for having me.
0: You're listening to Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. Coming up, we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk to insider reporter Dan Waitley to talk more about the, quote, opaque business side of TikTok, where ASMR videos have taken off. You can join us, too. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. You're listening to Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. Now, if you use TikTok, you're one among one billion users monthly. And that means this social media app has become a powerful promotional tool, helping companies and top influencers make money. But how much money? That may not be so clear. Joining us now to talk about the business side of TikTok, Dan Waitley is on the phone with us, an insider reporter covering TikTok and social media. Dan, welcome to the show.
4: Thanks so much for having me.
0: So TikTok really has one billion monthly users? I, that just blew my mind when I read that in one of your stories. And when we think about who these users are, uh, looking at a study by Pew in, in 2021, looking at social media usage studies, suggesting there's a recent increase in TikTok usage among older Americans. And in a, sur- a summer survey looking at news consumption, three out of 10, more than three out of 10 people are getting their news from TikTok. And so I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about this changing user base.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been pretty wild to see how much the, the TikTok user base has grown over the past couple of years. I think, um, like a lot of social media platforms, it saw a bump during the pandemic when people were spending more time at home and looking for social interactions online. Um, but the of reputation that TikTok had initially as this Gen Z, dancing, lip syncing app um, is no longer relevant. Everyone's on TikTok. Your grandparents are on TikTok. Your parents are on TikTok. Um, you know, one billion monthly active users globally is what the company said last year. It's probably more now. Um, and yeah, so I think, you know, I, I think you should think of it like any major social platform. It's, it's everyone's on there.
0: So you referenced in the beginning uh, this came out as a more of a song and dance app for kids musically. That was just a few years ago. But in the pandemic, this is where there's really been a burst, a surge in, in usage, Dan?
4: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, again, I think, you know, in-person interactions fell off, you know, in 2020, still, still in 2021. And, um, and a lot of people were turning to TikTok to be entertained, to kind of be creative, And, um, you know, I think uh, it's hard to to think about that platform's growth in the U.S. in particular um, without considering the pandemic. Um, uh, But, I mean, at this point, it's also just, you know, the place to be. And if you're a content creator, an ASMR creator, uh, you have to be on there.
0: Right. So let's talk about content creation on TikTok, you know. How does it all work and how much money are these content creators pulling in from these live streams that even Olivia mentioned?
4: Yeah, so there's a few ways that creators can make money from live streams. So one way is to, to get a brand to sponsor their live stream. And so if you have a, a very large following on TikTok, maybe you're able to court one of these types of deals. Um, and those can be you know, worth thousands of dollars. If you are maybe an up and coming creator, you're you're just getting your start on the platform, and you're going live. They're, the way the primary way to make money is through uh, gifting. So your followers, people watching your stream, can send you gifts, and uh, gifts are kind of uh, it's it's this digital currency that that TikTok runs, um, where you know you're not receiving dollars, you're receiving diamonds. Um, or or diamonds are actually kind of the currency that TikTok uses to to, to pay you out in U.S. dollars. And so it's a bit opaque um, in terms of what you're actually receiving um, just because TikTok controls uh, the currency itself.
0: And so top creators are people that have over a million or multi-million followers, Dan?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think... Top creator is, is anyone that has, you know, a manager, someone that can go out and kind of sell, sell the, sell their o- audience to a brand. Um, and so, yeah, typically that does start around the the one million follower threshold. Although it's it's really variable um, because there are there are creators with smaller following who reach a particular niche. Maybe you're a finance influencer, um, you know, who reaches a few hundred thousand people, and, and that's a highly valuable audience for certain types of brands. And so we try to like set a threshold for what it means to be a a top creator. But um, particularly on TikTok, um, generally, generally you have at least a million followers. You
0: said it wasn't as clear to gauge, uh, you know, how much money um, people are making because of this diamond to dollars conversion. So can you talk a little bit more about that? And, you know, how much is TikTok taking from that total? What's known, if at all?
4: Yeah, so TikTok's cut is, it's not something they publicly report. Um, And the process of actually receiving a gift starts with a user buying what's called a coin or a a kind of bundle of coins. And then they use those coins to buy gifts. And those gifts are converted into diamonds. And then those diamonds are converted into U.S. dollars. Um, And so individual creators themselves can kind of see like how many diamonds uh, will will turn into actual payment. But uh, there's all these st- stops along the way, right, where uh, TikTok might be, you know, taking a cut. Um, and so, it's, you know, it's, it's something that they, it's something I've asked them about a lot. Uh, and they've never really given me much specific information about how their kind of conversion rates work.
0: And TikTok is owned by a Beijing-based company, ByteDance. And so, does that relate to why uh, TikTok is so focused on, on live streams when we think about the profits that are to be made?
4: Yeah, so TikTok has a sister app in China that uh, is called Douyin, and it is also very large and very popular. It's, it's a distinct separate app that you know, looks and feels very similarly to TikTok, and it came first. And uh, live streaming is very big on that platform, and particularly in the context of e-commerce uh, and kind of live shopping um uh, it's a big part of uh of kind of what creators are doing on billion. and so uh, it's not hard to uh, to guess that tiktok also imagines or ByteDance imagines bringing that same kind of business onto tiktok in the us and other markets um live streaming is a huge industry uh live stream shopping is a huge industry in china and so not just tiktok i mean instagram and Facebook and YouTube, like they're all kind of interested in, in going out to the live shopping market. Mm.
0: And so that's interesting to explain that relationship between ByteDance and TikTok. Uh, and, and I'm wondering if you can talk more about when we think about, you know, Meta and Facebook uh, and, you know, some of the, the competition between uh, these platforms, because again, there's money to be made.
4: Yeah. I mean, the competition is very fierce. We saw it meta, I guess now meta platforms, uh, launch uh TikTok competitor on Instagram uh, called Reels. Uh, all of the major social platforms have introduced some type of short form video format. Um, Snapchat has Spotlight, YouTube has something called Shorts. Um, and so I think it's becoming more clear that uh, short video is the future of, of social video, at least. And if you don't have a competing product to TikTok, you, you might fall behind. Mm.
0: Thinking about this is the future, as a journalist, uh, you know, all of the, the conversations, the data that's known about how these social media platforms platforms aren't really very responsive to the disinformation that pops up. And so would you say that that's similar uh, to what uh, you've uh, observed between TikTok and ByteDance?
4: In terms of how they address disinformation? Right. Yeah, I think it's, look, it's an enormous problem for any social media platform, particularly a, a company that has a billion users. And so, uh, you know, I, I think uh, content moderation is probably the greatest challenge of, of kind of the tech world these days, um, at least on, on the some social entertainment side. And, you know, I would say TikTok's very proactive about, you know, trying to get ahead of it. But it's, it's you know, it's it's like a... It's a tough battle to fight, right? I mean, Facebook and meta platforms, you know, dealt with the same issues. So I don't think it makes sense to necessarily single out an individual platform when thinking about it. It's kind of all of them are are struggling uh, to fight against, uh, you know, misinformation. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it's been interesting to hear a little bit about what we we do know or from your reporting, uh, uh, Dan, about uh, the business side of TikTok uh, owned by ByteDance. And uh, thank you so much for talking with us today. uh, And we appreciate your time. We'll link to some of your stories uh, at our website, ctpublic.org slash where we
4: live. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me.
0: You are hearing Dan Waitley, Insider Reporter, covering TikTok and social media. I'm Lucy nalpith Today's show produced by Katie Pellico. Special thanks to Eugene Amatruda, who was our tech director today. We'll be back tomorrow talking about Russia and censorship. We hope you join us.